Listening to Prime by Cortex, a podcast where we examine Cortex mechanics, builds, and occasionally sit down with Cortex creators and GMs. I'm your host, Kirby, and today we're going to be talking about complications. Before we do, I'm sure many of you have heard by now that the license for Cortex was released. And from my understanding, it'll be reworked, so I'm not sure actually if it's been retracted as of right now. Not that we have the platform to publish anything just yet anyhow, but I'll probably be doing an episode on it after the new version comes out, covering what changed when that publishes. Additionally, Tales of Exadia was delayed to this year. Some of this is old news. I think um, I think most of these announcements came out late November, December, uh, but we weren't recording then. And uh, as of this recording... There's no specified release date to my knowledge, unless I missed anything. Now, back to the show on the topic of complications. We won't just be reading from the book. In fact, we're, we're just going to be going over some of the basics and more going to what complications could be doing for your game. Complications are the mirror opposite of assets, which will probably get its own episode, wherein anything that can hinder your character is assigned a die size and rolled against you. Often complications are assigned to a single character, but they may be applied to multiple characters through complications attached to the scene itself. If it wasn't already clear, complications aren't going to be rolled against you for every single roll that's made. It's only going to be rolled against you when it's relevant to a roll, right? I mean, how how often is having a broken arm going to hinder you and haggling with the cab driver on your fare, right? Uh, and on that same note, GM PCs might also have complications, which you'll bring into your own pool to roll against them. Uh, complications are usually not going to be on your character sheet like stress might be. Instead, uh, they'll typically be on like index cards or sticky notes, whatever is convenient for you and your table. I know for my own work, um, I do a lot of my Cortex gaming digitally. And so I have made uh, character sheets on uh, Google Sheets. And I, I usually put complications in there because I, I usually arrange my Google Sheets to just feed it into a su- pseudo like GM tab screen thing for me. So I know who has what complications. And then I normally have it set to where like my complications feed into the player's uh, Excel sheet so that they know what complications I have on the table. But that's just for my convenience. Uh, you don't need to be extra like that uh, to get your Cortex gaming going. In either case, uh, complications are things that can be tangible, like having a broken leg or slippery rocks or a disgruntled customer yelling at you while you're trying to make amends with your husband at the grocery store. They can be intangible, like when another PC has inflicted guilt as a complication after you role play out a contest. It can also be very situational, like being flanked or cornered. That is actually a kind of a recommendation I like to give to, say, uh, D&D players. Mostly when they're struggling with naming complications. That, that's, that's one of the things that can be difficult uh, about Cortex or games that have similar mechanics where you're, you're naming a thing, you're naming a tag, whatever that game 
calls it, right, is just sitting there and thinking, well, don't just have HP to fall back on. I need to actually call this something, right? And so I'd like to (laughs) offer new game masters who are coming in from more traditional games like Dungeons and Dragons, like those same instances where you're getting advantages or disadvantages uh, or bones or penalties to your role in D&D, Pathfinder, etc. Those could be intangible assets or complications like what I'm talking about here where, uh, yeah, you're right now, you're in the middle of a duel on a ship that's rocking back and forth. Pirates have boarded and you're currently flanked by two pirates. And they are basically stuck on you like glue until the situation changes, right? Now, usually these complications are everything that's not already covered by stress. Uh, if that's a mod you're using at all uh, for your Cortex game, in the case of Tales of Azadia, you wouldn't actually be using complications at all. Uh, last I checked, that game just uses stress. Still, if you have an injury stress, you're probably not going to name a complication that has to do with specific injuries. You just increase the size to the injury stress tracker. Now, complications are recovered when either it makes sense that it's not relevant anymore, the high alert D10 complication for when you were robbing the bank, three towns back can probably just go away unless you're intent on pulling that plot thread in the form of, say, investigators following the player's wake the broken leg you had last year probably not going to give you any trouble anymore could be renamed perhaps though it could be renamed to a bad limp that you have and you're still kind of learning how to live with that limp until you actually get into some more actionable moments where you get rid of that complication Uh, that's an interesting approach to take with it another way you can get rid of complications is if they're reduced to a D4 in size, uh, they normally start at D6 and they get bigger or smaller, right? In this case, they get used as part of the player's pool and then they get chucked out. But my favorite way of getting rid of complications is actually getting the player to do something about it and the test to remove the complication. This is actually the bread and butter of what I wanted to talk about in this episode, the naming of complications and the test to remove them. Now, I'm not sure if I've said in this show in particular, but I always say that it's an extremely powerful thing, uh, no matter the game, really, uh, to decide when someone rolls in a role-playing game. If you're playing a super strong character, telling the player they don't need to roll to bend bards when another character does speaks volumes. And so when it comes to complications, there's a lot of power here to really say what kind of game we want to have at the table. Is it good enough that my character, Jen Eric Pearson, Uh, uses a makeshift splint to heal her leg. Maybe it is. Maybe her leg wasn't broken like we thought it was in the last scene. Where things get juicy is using the complication to drive the story. So telling Jen Eric Pearson that she needs to get proper help from survivors encamped across the city to heal the broken leg complications is a big deal. There's zombies in between here and there. It's already stated in the book that... This is at the GM's discretion. Recovery rolls might need special location, people, or things to allow for the recovery. So what I'm saying here isn't anything new. It's just something I really want to highlight when discussing complications. And so naming complication then becomes a really good way to drive a session. 
one of my favorite things is Doom Pool in general. One of the things that the Doom Pool allows is to just spend the die out of the Doom Pool and attach it to a scene. I usually take it a step further and I'll sometimes attach a complication right at the beginning of a session to a character. Uh, if I'm not sure how I want to start it, but I know what the general situation is. So I might say, oh, uh, we're, we're opening up uh, this session where you are currently at the bar in the small western town. You have a D8 surrounded complication. Glancing out the window, you can see several lawmen uh, approaching, right? Now suddenly the complication drives the scenario. And that's not to say that like naming complications needs needs to be like this master class in writing or story design. And you know, having played a lot of games like this where you're coming up with a yes and or a yes but or a no and etc. And having having to take an extra bit of brain power to name these things, you know, it can get a little exhausting. And especially if you're new and already struggling, I, I wouldn't want you to have one more thing to worry about when jamming the system. Uh, and so to talk about this a little bit more, uh, one of my favorite sessions in Cortex was this two-shot Halloween special. It was a weird West setting. One of the PCs earned a guilt complication early on in the session uh, after getting into an argument with another player character, which resulted in a contest. They couldn't agree on uh, what to do as monsters were taking over their small, middle-of-nowhere town. Do they go to the church? Do they go and flee the town? And so uh, our main PC here who suffers the guilt, they lost the contest, right? They were basically made to feel bad for all their neighbors that didn't make it and just pulling on those heartstrings. And so when this player received the complication, the guilt complication, uh, which wound up being like a D6 or a D8 guilt complication, I told them that the only way they were going to be able to test or remove this guilt, you know, open to more ideas, obviously, was to confront the PC who gave it to him or do something on behalf of that PC. Sure enough, the moment before the final fight, the PCs are holed up in the town church, which is half burned down because monsters, obviously. Uh, The two PCs get into it. Now, our PC with guilt complication never wound up recovering the guilt. In fact, it just stepped it up from D6 to D12. The PC would go into the next scene carrying this guilt, and almost perfectly, he sets himself up for the hero's sacrifice. Bought time for the other PCs to escape, and their last role wasn't to just blast away some monsters, but rather to try to get rid of the guilt complication. Uh, We had this moment where narratively, yes, he was blasting away at monsters, but we kind of zoomed into his internal monologue. Now they failed, and in hindsight, I should have just told them that the complication went away when they made the decision to stay behind, because remember, complications can go away when they're just not relevant anymore. We don't always have the role to recover them. But it was such a dramatic moment, and I really had three excellent moments from one complication during that two shot. The initial argument, the second argument that came on later, and then the heroic moment that I just described. Another one of my sessions in Cortex was probably a one shot uh, with the being human TV show premise, a werewolf, ghost, and vampire are roommates, though it's somewhat more of a world of darkness setting. I gave the vampire PC a hunger complication after some role he made where some hitches popped up while exercising one of their powers. I think they were trying to use uh, obfuscate to sneak around or something like that. Uh, And this hunger mucked with them while they were interrogating mortals uh, about our inciting event of the one shot, uh, which 
basically our one shot opened up with our three roommates dealing with uh, all their stuff just getting tossed about as if by ghosts, but our ghost roommate swore she didn't have anything to do with it. And sure enough, uh, nearby there was some sort of anomaly going on, and that, that's the context there, right? But yeah, when, when the questioning was done, our PC had the feed. So SAS, great complication removed, but because they had that feed on those mortals, well, they didn't have to, but time was kind of pressing. The werewolf PC wound up having a informal complication of his own. Um, see, the werewolf has his own pact. Uh, the pack never liked the fact that our werewolf PC was rooming with a vampire. Now they're just going to let the vampire feed on some mortals? Well, and the argument had just came up new complication enraged pack mates the opposition dice pull for the scuffle was uh, was only the normal dice pull for re recovering a complication uh, this was for pacing reasons we were coming very close to the end of our four hour block for for this one shot and so we wanted to make sure um, that we got to the big finale and so i didn't want to have this long drawn out fight uh, that was just between one player and his pack mates even though like the dice pool for recovering that complication was just a normal dice pool, it wound up being a big moment in the game. You know, if I recall correctly, it impacted how much help they would get later on in the session and what kind of help. And I always kept it in my back pocket. It's like, oh, well, if hitches come up again, I could just have a moment where the enraged pack mate who was momentarily subdued decides that, yeah, in the middle of everything that's going on, maybe now's the time to try to challenge the pack leader again. That's complications in a nutshell. I'd love to hear about your favorite complications that you've given in your games. Like, literally, just ping me in the Cortex Discord. I'm still lazy flexing there. Or actually, I think my uh, nickname is just Kirby with an E. And, you know, this wound up being more of a kind of sort of mini gm diary episode uh, at the end of all of it i guess but that brings me to one last thing i want to talk about gm diaries and other types of interviews when jt and i went in on this podcast it was really important to me to not just talk with only people from fandom or only professionals uh, that had already published things that were doing things for cortex i want to hear from content creators big and small, even those of you who are only really doing games with your friends and not podcasting at all or not writing anything for the community, that's fine too. If you have story experiences, I, I would love to hear about it. So uh, if you're interested in coming on the show or maybe just writing in something to get discussed on the show, you can find all of our socials in the show notes. Would be happy to have you. Now, uh, that's it for the show today. Hopefully I was able to give you something to chew about next time you're buying a hitch. I'll talk to you next time.